Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. Oh, it is another edition of Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast. This is Maddie and the Caddy's road trip. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the first. Yes. We're going to get to where we are, why we are, and who we are. But I do want to start off by saying thank you for the support to the first four episodes. It's been tremendous. Please download and subscribe to Maddie and the Caddy. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. You can do it on the ESPN app. But we want to keep growing the show. That's the goal. And with your support early on, we appreciate everyone hopping on board with this journey with us. And Collins, that brings us to the next spot, the journey. This is the first time we've officially, we did it at the U.S. Open, but this is the first time we've actually gone on location. Only for us. On purpose for us for a podcast. This is just our thing. Where are we? We are at Lake Tahoe. And this is the first time I have seen Lake Tahoe in person other than on TV. And it is more beautiful in person than it is on TV. I almost crashed the car. You did. Coming over, coming over the hill when you first get that first look because it flew into Reno and then you got to drive kind of over a mountain, which is a wild looking mountain. Not anyway. like kind of drive. You're driving through mountains. That's true. Yeah. And there's, it's weird in the middle of July when there's a hundred degree weather to look and see snow on mountaintops. Yeah. We are at Edgewood Tahoe, which is a phenomenal facility. And not only did Collins, Almost drive us off the mountain because mm-hmm. he had to, to. He couldn't believe that lakes could have clear water, which Lake Tahoe does. I'm but an East Coast Lake dude. You are. They're not really lakes where you're from. They are lakes, but even the fish, like you know, they leave at night. Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> they just. They, hey man, it's seven o'clock, so y'all can stop fishing because we gotta we gotta go get some fresh water somewhere. This is like the lake penthouse. East Coast lakes are kind of like a. Let me get some of that cheese. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, hey. Well, a Pennsylvania cav- caviar is over here. Yeah, I'm close to Jersey. So, you know, most of those fish from the Jersey and Pennsylvania lakes near Philly, they look like the Simpsons fish. <laughs> yeah. Right? You might catch them for fun. You're going to cook them up? Yeah, nah. You get nah, we're out in Florida now. You cool. Scuba dive. Those aren't, lake, those aren't lakes there. That's, that's <laughs> the ocean in Florida. No, no, man. There's freshwater lakes. You go diving at the springs. The, no. At the springs. You're not going to the lakes in Florida. Sure. Why? To, you can dive at the freshwater at the springs, like Blue Springs, Jenny Springs. There are some phenomenal cave diving opportunities in Florida. And because there's spring water mm-hmm. coming up out of the ground, it's crystal clear. There's a river south of Gainesville called Crystal River. So you can see before, like, the three-eyed fish and alligator comes and gets you. Well, the thing is, though, the alligator, yeah, they're going to come get you and stuff. Now, there are – it's cool because where the spring feeds into some of the the rivers that are there. Uh-huh. So all this dead foliage falls into the river and then darkens it. So as that stuff is decomposing, that's where the water gets brown and kind of mucked up and all that kind of stuff. How do you know but, all this? Because I've been diving there. I went diving with the manatees. I went snorkeling with the manatees. You don't go scuba diving with the manatees, but you go snorkeling. And? So in the wintertime, these manatees come up into the springs. They are giant sea cows, but their fins have toenails like elephants. They're actually related to the elephant. Uh-huh. And so I got this, was scratching one on the belly, and it rolled over. 
So I could like a dog, like a dog. And when I scratched it by the fin, its fin started shaking like a dog's foot. Do you? <laughs> it was awesome. But I just think- kept thinking to myself too, like. How in the world, you know how long I would have to be at sea to think that was a mermaid? <laughs> right, to be you like, know, all right, yeah. you and me. It's me and 170 other dudes on a ship for three months. Okay, okay, maybe I'll buy it, whatever. Look, manatee, I'm in. Hey, big girl, I like it. So how, like, do, why do you think the manatee were comfortable with you? Just they're comfortable with everybody. They're cow. They're like cows. That's why they're called a sea cow because they're not. Imagine they're that. slow lumbering animals that are vegetarians and are very. They're not. I don't think they get. I don't think I don't. What's the word? Not pre- pregnant. What are no, you trying to say? Preda- it's like predation. So Pre- I don't know. Sharks eat them. <laughs> they do. I don't know. You don't know do. that. I don't know. Well, why would you? Yeah, this, this, I'm not that. That's not my area expertise. But the only thing that their biggest, the the thing that injures them the most is boats with propellers. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So they all, lots of them have scars all over them. But by all means, keep bringing your boats out there and scuba diving. With well, them. see, that's the thing. The good thing is, is in the winter time they come from the ocean into these rivers because the rivers at the springs say 72 degrees all year round. So 72 degrees is what the springs stay at. So they have a constant temperature for the winter time where they winter, raise their calves, all that kind of stuff. So, and they're in protected areas. You're not allowed to run your propellers. You have to either be in a canoe or you have to just drift. I that kinda, part's cool. Every week on this podcast, you amaze me. I kind of feel like you're Walter Mitty. <laughs> like, I, I mean, you've got some new job or knowledge bank. That surprises me every week. I am a curious from when I was a little Weren't kid. Weren't you a herpetologist? Yeah, the curator of herpetology at the North Museum. What the hell is that? It's the study of reptiles and amphibians. That's herpetology. <laughs> Instead of normally, when it stinks, I don't know, why did they have to pick that word? Because you right, tell, doesn't that you get not, a disease. Let me tell you something, man. When you're 20 years old and you tell a girl, yo, I'm the curator of herpetology at the North Museum. Like, you, she can, can, I, start asking can I buy you a drink? Yeah, no, you can't buy me a drink. You know? <laughs> Yeah, what yeah, does your let friend put, do? Let me put some Valtrex in it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Since, yeah, if you're going to say that, you might as well be sitting in a bathtub. <laughs> Maybe that's why the bathtubs are singles. You know what I mean? You never see the commercial with the two people in the same bathtub. How did you get so, into herpetology? I was fascinated by snakes and lizards, man, from when I was a little kid. <laughs> you know why? Because I went to the North Museum when I was in second grade. Okay. And they put a six-foot boa over my on my neck mm-hmm. and let me hold it. And I saw my mom freak out. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world that my mom was freaking out because she was scared. And I wasn't. I was like, this is really cool. So I saw something I like felt like I'm not afraid of this, but my mom's scared of it. So seeing being able to do something or have something that I'm not afraid of, but that someone else is afraid of. Yeah. And so that fascination always stuck with me. Did you me. go to schooling for this? Like, can no. you just be, you can just go online and be like or, an ordained herpetologist? <laughs> ordained? I don't think that's how it works. Like, how do you, how do you, you just <laughs> sprinkle snake water on you? Hominous, nominous, communist. Now, how do you his, become a herpetologist? Lot, lot. <laughs> so for me, I, I started getting. I bought a whole bunch of snakes and lizards and amphibians and stuff, and then would ask a lot of questions. You and bought just, them, yeah. I would I purchased them first as just on my own as pets. Yeah, yeah. I had a <laughs> I, I had a reticulated <laughs> python named Oliver that used to wag her tail. <laughs> yeah, man, it was crazy. It was crazy. <laughs> she what did. Do you mean wagged her tail. So literally, if if I <laughs> wait, went, wait, 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 stop. yeah. Why'd you name her Olive Oil? 
Because reticulated pythons are the longest snakes in the world, but they're the skinniest. <laughs> so people always say the oh, anaconda is the yeah. biggest ones, right? Oh, yeah. So the biggest anaconda ever found on record is 33 feet. Same with the reticulated python. So they're tied for the longest snakes in the world. But the reticulated python is much thinner, and it's a species that's found in Africa. So it doesn't get heavy like an anaconda, which lives in water. And the biggest the difference between an anaconda is a boa constrictor. Sure. Reticulated is a python. It's a reticulated python. Boas give live birth. Pythons lay eggs. Ah. That's the biggest difference between the two species. How does a boa give birth? Oh. Um, I I wasn't going to go like trying to hook up with no boa. <laughs> no. It's a uh, – every. They're like any other animals that give live birth. The gestation happens inside hmm. instead of on the outside. So instead of laying 40 eggs, which your have, other one does, the python will lay eggs. Yeah. You know, and then depending on how big they are, they'll lay different, it's called a clutch, different amounts of clutches of eggs. So this olive oil was a female, but she, she wouldn't eat. So she was even thinner than other. You had to force feed her. She had an eating disorder? Yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. It was like a bulimic snake. <laughs> <laughs> Why did she wag her tail? I don't know, man. That was one of the fascinating things. One of the things that was so cool is that, and she only did it for me and my gr- grandfather. So when Papa, my grandfather, when Papa would walk downstairs, if I was down there, she would start wagging her tail. Cause she, you know, snakes, they have something called a Jacobson's organ. They can't, smell through their nose but they smell with their tongue so she would be you know when you see a snake put its tongue out yeah it's tasting the air basically and then they take the tongue put it in this thing called a jacobson organ and that's how they identify the differences between people dogs cats so they plug in their tongue to the top of their yeah mouth. it's called a jacobson organ and so when my grandfather would come downstairs she knew it was him and so she her she tail would jacobson organ on him <laughs> nah, she would just smell the air and her tail would start wagging and he would go over and open her cage up, put his arm out and she would go right up his arm and go sit on the top of his head. And she never did that for any other human or person. She never did that for any, not even me. What happened to olive oil? Uh, she passed away. Unfortunately, longer. She never got over that eating disorder. So I would force feed her and force feed her <laughs> trying to get her to eat on her own. Yeah. And she just wouldn't do it. And then finally, like she would just regurgitate whatever I used to have rats and used to have to shove a rat down her throat. And for a long time, she would be okay with it. But then after a while, she just. So you sat there with a rat. And shoved it down at her yeah, throat. Yeah, a dead, I had a dead rat that was probably, I don't know, probably a, a, a rat that was less, probably, probably four or five months old. Mm-hmm. So it was a good size rat. Yeah. And it I would kill, you know, I usually bought all my stuff frozen. Yep. And then would warm them up by putting them in a freezer bag and then putting the freezer bag in boiling water. And then you pull the freezer bag out. Then the rat's not soaking wet, but it's warm. So you up. would boil rats at your house? Yeah, kind of. Something like that. What were you into? Were you like into Marilyn Manson? I was doing stand-up like comedy. No, Ozzy man, I was Osborne. into rap, man. I was into hip-hop, R&B. And this is why you were curating reptiles at your house? I was doing stand-up comedy, so I didn't have nothing to do in the daytime. So you'd play with reptiles? Not play with them, but I would go to schools. How about read a book? I would take them to schools. What? You, you How would, about educating kids? How you about would, that? You would take them to school? Yeah. I would and you, take them you were elementary show, schools. You were showing to, you were a comedian I was that a went comedian to elementary at night. schools. At night I did stand up comedy. You brought reptiles. And then at, at, on the side for fun, I, I would 
do reptiles and amphibians. You don't see anything wrong with this. Nah. Man. How would you show up dressed? In a pair of jeans and a button-down shirt. What? How am I supposed to show? What do you think I got? Like a, a outfit on or something? Yeah, I picture you wearing like a Steve Irwin all khaki <laughs> oh, jumpsuit. No, man. No, this was this was like the early nineties. You know, late. This was late eighties, early nineties. I was probably somewhere between. 19, I got into him when I was like around 19 or 20 and then stuck with him until I moved to Florida. When I moved to Florida in 94 is when I had to get rid of everything. Why? Because I'm not going to be able to take 170 animals down with me. Wait, you had how many? Probably 170 different animals. At your home? And and at the museum. Yeah, you couldn't do that. Yeah, no. And I had a potbelly pig I had to get rid of and stuff. Because I was going to I was going to live with a buddy of mine. So I, you're not going to show up at somebody's house and be like, yo, you mind if I stay here for a couple of days? Yeah, cool. All right, bring all the snakes in. <laughs> it's like Noah's Ark to yeah, every animal. You're just like much, walking yeah. in there with, with a sandals. And yeah, like, all kinds of scorpions and stuff like that, tarantulas. So what you do with those? Did you stuff? sell them on the black market? No, 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 man. The museum got the most of them, you know, got – yeah, the museum got most of the stuff. So, how hard was that for you to like let go of your your reptile part of your life? It wasn't the hardest. Was the potbelly pig, and then I had one. What was the name? A Sigmund. <laughs> Sigmund. Sigmund and Sigmund ended up becoming roommates with a, a pit bull named China, a white pit bull, and she was cool. And then I saw I, Sigmund live with China for a month before I moved to Florida, and then before I left, I went and checked on him. And China, this pit bull was awesome. So Sigmund, they would let Sigmund go in the backyard and then they would say, hey, China, go get Sigmund. And China would run out into the backyard and nudge Sigmund on his behind with her nose and both of them would come in together. And stuff. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And they got along fine, even they when got... the dog got hungry, knowing that that was a pig. Nah, because the dog didn't look at Sigmund as food. He looked at him as a pal. Yeah, it was like a buddy, you know. And so you had to get, did you get rid of both before moving to Florida? Well, I, China wasn't mine. China is who Sigmund was mine. Mm. China was who Sigmund went to live with. You know, when I got rid of Sigmund, I found a good home. And I was nervous at first because of that, just thinking that. Well, Pitbull, I don't know. But then I, pig, I met bacon. China, yeah, and, and hung out with them for a little while and was like, I was really comfortable with the family that got Sigmund. And China was an amazing, amazing dog. So it was like, you know, because you hear Pitbull – there are some things you hear and you're right. like, man. They get a bad reputation. Yeah, big time. But it's not – it ain't the dog, man. It's the owner. You um, – the, the, my favorite part about the, the stories of, of your herpetology days and, and the reptiles is I, I just spoke with the manager of the facility that we're in. I was like, hey, we got to come in here and tape our golf podcast. <laughs> and so he's probably sitting right in there. Like, what in the – what are these guys – talking about did they just say herpetology is am did i, I hear have to watch some chairs down olive oil the python but we, <laughs> i mean if you look at uh, the podcast or theater of the mind and we are sitting here at the edge with tahoe we are looking out onto lake tahoe now here's the irony about what we were just talking about we look to the left and lake tahoe is out there stunningly beautiful there's a little kid down there in the water right now just playing around, having a good old time. Golfers finishing over here, coming up in carts. But if we look back to our right, we're looking up the mountain into a forested area where there's plenty of reptiles and plenty of amphibians and probably Sasquatch. He's hanging out. Yeah. He's for sure hanging out. How mad do you think when they discover, if they find a Sasquatch or something, 
how mad do you think Sasquatch is going to be with like, wow, these people keep bringing me these beef jerkies. I, I want my meat raw. Yeah, like this joke's this. over. Yeah, he wouldn't even get it. Hey, man, you want some beef jerky? He'd be like, I'll kill you. Right. <laughs> you give I me only one eat chicken. Piece. Yeah, you give me one more piece of beef jerky, I'll kill you. But then if you just keep going, if we're doing a 360 of, a, of our vantage point, then behind us there's casinos. Oh, there's yeah. There's Harrah's. There's Hard Rock. Yeah. There's Mont Blue, I think, is another one. Yep. So we are literally surrounded. And Harvey's. Harvey's is another Harvey's one. Harvey's is We're another surrounded one. by every vice that I have. Golf, casinos. Water. Water. Stunningly beautiful water. It does look like an ocean. It does. Wow. It, it, I, was, I was joking around that when we were driving down the mountain, when you almost drove us off the mountain. Yeah. Like you had lamented that you didn't think that a lake could be clear like the Caribbean. And there you have it. I mean, there's certain, this there's certain is areas. Salt Lake, though, right? I don't know. Is it? Is Lake Tahoe think, a salt lake? This is fresh water. water. This ain't great salt lake. See, Salt is, Lake City, that's a that's in Utah. Well done. Yeah. You can't get anything by you. <laughs> so we, we are Sasquatch. And <laughs> <laughs> just don't give him beef jerky. We're we're excited to be here this week. We we've got a ton to catch up on. I know. Because I'm gonna be really honest with the listener right now. We had a couple of podcasts in the can. Taped. We had to because we had the holiday, the Fourth of July. It was Wesley yep. Bryant episode. Yep. I went on vacation for about eight days. You were doing some other stuff, and so I was it, scared you weren't coming back from vacation. It was I was it was close to happening. You sent some cryptic messages on Twitter, bro, talking about you know what I might just stay on the boat. Yeah, I almost did. I almost said, you know what, I'm going to be a deckhand. You just going to let what Ashley going to work now? Was she cool with that? I was going to finally put her You'll to be- work and say, hey, <laughs> you're. <laughs> You are going to get up and, you know, you'll shine the deck. I'll- I tried to get my wife to do Celia. I tried to get Celia to, you know what? She got her own cake business. You think I see any of that cash from the cake she makes? No. Not. You don't even know what accounts she's got names in. I'm telling you, bro. I just learned that the other day. <laughs> it's like, why don't I see your direct deposit in the account? Oh, because I've got my own account. <laughs> All right, fine. If we're playing, if we're laying hey, that out there. How come you keep going to Switzerland? <laughs> what? I didn't know you had a property in Florida. Well, you I do said now. your sister lives in the Bahamas. Why you keep going to the Caymans? So we're back from we're, we're back from a little hiatus. How was it? So awesome, and so so many things have gone on since that we have to catch up on. Um, first, uh, we are excited about this week. Oh, we can't fully disclose the guests that we will be getting here. Correct, but there are some. Guests that will be joining us here from the American. It's the celeb. For those who don't know what it is, I'm sure you do. It's a Lake Tile American Century uh, Championship. It's the celebrity pro am that you see every year. It's on NBC. Imagine Pebble Beach with no pros and only celebrities and athletes from every sport except baseball. Because baseball is going on right now. Right. But you've got ex-baseball players, Greg Maddox, Josh Smolich, Mark Mulder. Yeah, yeah. Pitches are always good at at, at, uh, golf for whatever reason. But it's a tournament where you see, like, Romo and Ben Roethlisberger throwing balls to the drunk Brads and Chads in Lake Tahoe. Charles Barkley's hitting somebody. Charles Barkley's hurting somebody. So that's where (laughs) we're at. And we're going to get some guests that we're excited about. We can't wait uh, to share them with you throughout the week. A couple that are near and dear uh, to us. So we're going to have fun here. Um, And I... I, I want to see this firsthand and see what this thing is all about. I know. Because just walking in, today was kind of quiet. We got here on Monday. It's Monday when we're taping yep. this. It's Monday on the West Coast, uh, about 445 on the West Coast. Uh, so 745 out east back home. Right. And so it's just the beginning of the fun out They're here. They're just putting all the 
main signage up now, getting everything kind of ready for the rest of the week, which is good. But it's just like it's like a regular tournament. If you got to a regular golf tournament, any PGA Tour event or an LPGA Tour event, and you pulled in on Monday, there's not going to be a whole lot going on. No. You know, there'll be a couple of people coming to register, and that'll be about it. But as you're driving through, you're looking at the golf course going, oh, man. You can see what great shape the golf course is in. And then for me, I feel it. You can feel the buzz, like the energy that's around, and that's palpable. We were talking to one of the organizers, and they said, look, by the time this thing tees off on on Thursday and Friday, these guys are legitimately in tournament mode. That's what's so funny to me is that the guys that are playing in this thing are looking at it going, oh, I'm, I'm here to win. And then they go in from having a good old time goofing off yep. to they go in back to athlete mode. And I mean, these are competitive pro athletes. Sure. I mean, and the, celebrities, celebrities like are, Alfonso, like, yeah. he's got mad game. Alfonso Ribeiro. Carlton from yeah, Red Yeah, he's got mad game. So the fact that he's going to be here, I remember how mad he was at Pebble. Because he wanted so bad to make the cut of Pebble, and he was playing great coming in. And, of course, that's the kiss of death. Yep. You tell somebody, man, look, I'm hitting the ball so good man, right now. I shot a 38 now. on the back the other day. <laughs> Found it. Yeah. Found it. Yeah, right now you couldn't even find And then you get out there, you, I can't even find my own back. I can't find Lake Tahoe. I don't know. <laughs> Actually, you find that a lot. <laughs> it's everything else that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, so being around these guys throughout the week, we're excited about that. We will share the guests with you. Uh, in the coming weeks here on Maddie and the Caddy. But we just wanted to take this episode to kind of just catch up, let you know where we are, have fun with it. Since the last time Michael and I were in the same um, room doing the podcast, you have won a pro-am, and I have caddied for George Lopez. Yeah. Well, let's start with the George Lopez thing first. Yes. So after the podcast with George, I couldn't stay. So I couldn't caddy for him. So you got the caddy for George during the Wednesday Pro-Am in Hartford. Yeah, and after that, after we taped that episode, we hung out with him for a bit. Oh, yeah. I uh, had a couple of drinks. Yeah, we poured valet guy. <laughs> <laughs> the valet guy at the uh, the Bush Now was, was – we were the last car, and he wasn't allowed to go home until we were <laughs> – and he didn't know where we were. For so the record, Michael even... Michael didn't drink and drive. Yeah, no, of course. I always I played a designated driver. That's my thing. So he was the last one. But throughout the but we were in the basement in the dressing room. So Just it's not out. like the valet dude could find us. If he went looking around, he'd be like, "These dudes just took off. Maybe it was a stolen car." But he waited. He had yeah. faith in us, and we we paid it off. Yeah. And it, true to Michael Collins' form, because he's the worst communicator of all time via text, email, or what have you. <laughs> George didn't know that you weren't going to be caddying for him. Yeah. Until then. And so you had done the nice thing and you would line someone up for him. Yep. And then I was sitting there. I was like, oh, like you don't like need to be a caddy to caddy in this thing? <laughs> it's like, no. I was like, well, I'll do it. And the look on George's face is like, that's, uh, that's doable. That's, we can do that? And I was like, yeah, why not? So we went out there at the uh, – well, here's the – Key to a good caddy player relationship is that itself, a relationship. So if you have someone that you don't know, I set up someone that George had never met before. Yeah, he knew golf and he was a good golfer and, and has caddied before as well. So he knows the game, but be, George doesn't know him. We just had done a podcast and hung out together for almost three hours. Right. 
So it was obvious we were all comfortable with one another and having a good time. You play golf, so it's not like you don't. It's not like you're going to be like, all right, where's the bowling alley? Like, yeah, hey, towel. You want your putter off the tee? <laughs> right. So because of that and that comfort level, it made it a lot easier. And it was like, you know what? Y'all two can just We had a great ahead. time. It really? was uh, it was out at the Travelers. And his short game, how was it? As advertised. Our group was George, Dan Orlovsky, former UConn quarterback, Boomer Esiason, NFL quarterback, and Ken Duke was our pro. Former champion. Yeah, at the, at the Travelers. Yep. And we had a great time. And his short game, <coughs> excuse me, is so good that there would be a time where he would hit his drive, you know, into the, into the rough. And we'd go over there. I'd gun it. We'd have like 167 yards to the pin. We wouldn't have a clear look. And I'm like, George, I'd grab an eight iron, get stuff to about 60 yards. Let's play up and down golf. Because once I saw his short game and saw how good it was, yep. I was like, we're just going to play for par. That's all you need to do is play for par. He birdied a couple holes, but his short game is as advertised. I even asked him, I was like, how the hell are you good at this? He's like, oh, I don't think about it. I was like, well, that's the secret? Yes. So we had a great time. Yeah. Uh, he, he's obviously great with people walking on holes. Oh, my gosh. Going in people's backyards. <laughs> I mean, it was. Now, bad shots, though, here's the question. Because one story that we didn't tell during that podcast was one year at Pebble, George has a shot with a hybrid on number 10, mm-hmm. a little side hill lie, and he hits it off the toe into the ocean. But he doesn't yell a curse word. He doesn't yell out anything. You know what he yells? My name. <laughs> he hits the shot, you just hear, dink, ah, Mike! <laughs> <laughs> And we still laugh about that to this day. Like, who hits a bad shot and yells their caddy's name out? He does say the caddy's name quite a bit. Oh, I, mean, I was getting a lot of Matt. Matty. Yeah. Matt, Matt Matty. Yep. You yeah, know. man, that's his thing. But he, when he hits a bad shot, like anybody, it's bad. Sometimes. He hit a guy square he normally, in the normally, when, when we've been together, he might only hit one or two bad shots per round. That's all he had with me. But people were never in danger. No, he he, he hit somebody. <laughs> Fastball. He shanked a hybrid, really, right off a dude's hip, <laughs> from about a hundred yards away, and the thing was oh, coming so hot. It was, yeah, it and was. you can hear an Orlovsky's walking with us. We still talk about it now. <laughs> you think a guy's hip's still on the course? I'm like, yeah, it's rolling down the fairway. Because I mean, he hit it pure, and you hear this, the hit of the the, the ball, and then you hear this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Oh, we both look at each other, and you know, George said a couple of things, and the guy goes down. We're like, oh man. He went down way. He went down. And so we had he to go. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he didn't look like there was a sniper in the tree. So we had to go over there, checked on it. it I'm sorry sport. to laugh, man, because I know it when hilarious. it happens, well, when it first happens, it's the worst feeling. The, the feeling in your stomach is the yes. worst. Cause you just, that's the last thing you ever want to do is hurt another human being with a golf ball. And that's the thing is like, I can get my way around a golf course. Right. But, if I played in one of these pro-ams, I'd be afraid of that. I mean, that's a whole other... That's the biggest fear for all of these guys that are athletes playing. And people show up at this thing, Michael. Yeah, oh, it's this... They get huge crowds out here. Huge crowds. Why and you- all of these... I, I laugh, and, and we're going to talk to some of the guys. I'm sure the guys that, that we'll have on the future podcast coming up, we'll talk to them about that. But I remember famously, the probably one of the first superstar guys that I ever asked about was Marcus Allen. 
and I was asking him, I was like, hey, man, where you have more nerves? You got more nerves coming out that tunnel for the first Super Bowl uh-huh. or hitting that first tee shot in front of 100 people? And he was like, oh, for 100 people, I couldn't. I'm film telling you. I was like, what? I was When I was playing in that – okay, I'll give you a prime example. Orlovsky, former UConn quarterback, he was in our group. He's a tall dude. He's got a golfer's build. Yeah. Tall, linky guy, long, nice, fluid swing. But even he in those situations, his first two drives didn't leave the ground. And I'm like, that can't be right because that's too good looking of a swing. <laughs> right. And I asked him, I was like, you're a little nervous, right? He's like, it's ridiculous. Because there's, I mean, there's people in grandstands around yes. you. But then when he finally settled down, then he just started hitting it on the screws. It was, it was fun to watch. But I can't imagine. I mean, you've played in these before. That's a good segue. Into the, the worst I ever saw was Michael Phelps. Oh. Michael Phelps, when, remember we were talking about Hazeltine? Yes. And George playing in. That hazel team. I've never seen an athlete, an elite athlete, as terrified as Michael Phelps on that first tee at hazel team. Was he on Haney Project? Yeah, after that. After the program. It was after that that he went on the Haney Project. How'd that go? Not, it messed him up worse. Did it? Yeah. You start thinking. You start to get too technically sound. Yeah. Now, what did yeah. he do? Well, you see, Charles Barkley is here this week. Guess what? what he still got? Hitch. <laughs> that's not a hitch, son. That's like okay. A, I'm saying that's like a uh, seizure. That's a yeah. That's a seizure. That's exactly <laughs> what that is. That's a seizure. I can't he imagine. So what did it. Phelps do? Uh, Phelps' first shot got about eight inches off the ground and was sniped hard left. The good thing was oh. the tee was elevated. Yeah. So it because it was eight inches off the ground and the tee was elevated, it cleared the people's heads. Because on a normal tee box, it, it, he would have taken out a knee. That's what I would be afraid of is the snap hook. I wouldn't right. worry about the fade because by the time it gets up and around, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it would still hurt, but it's, <laughs> it's up. And I, I would be scared of a snap hook coming over the top yeah. and, and snap hooking one right into the gallery. And the worst part is once you do that once. It's in your head the rest of the time. Now you're That's done. what I told George. I was like, get it out of your head. You hit the guy. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because candidly, like – it was like if you watched an NFL game and you watch a quarterback perfectly lead a guy with a with a, with a throw. Yes, it's like this guy walked into the ball. It's like George led him from two hundred yards out. <laughs> so it's not like he and it was screaming. Oh, so I said, "Look, you're gonna have to shake that off." And he went up and down. Yeah, see, that was what, a par five. That's what's amazing about his. And short so I game. said, "All right, we're we're you're moving good. on." You hit you're the guy. Good. We're moving on. So that's a good segue from that pro am to your pro am. You had a big moment. Was it in New Orleans? KPMG in Chicago. Chicago, my fault. Yeah, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. I was fortunate enough to get invited to play in the Pro-Am, and my team won. First time, right? Yeah, I never won anything, and we shot minus 17. Wow. Yeah, gross. And it was a pure scramble. So it was like we we were the epitome of ham and eggs. That's where it amazing. was like one person would hit a good drive. Yep. One person would hit a pretty good iron shot, and somebody would we'll make, make the, the putt. putt. So, like, we played with the Golf Channel's Jerry Foltz. Uh-huh. Foltz was on fire with the putter the first seven holes. 
where I would hit the first putt to show him the line, and then in, in mine would graze an edge or whatever, and then he would bury it. And then we missed two in a row, made par, because Bogey was your partner. Yep. That was the other thing about this pro-am. Most pro-ams, scrambles, par is your partner. But in this one, Bogey's your partner. So you got to make your pars if you don't make birdie. Right. But we started off like gangbusters. But we're goofing. We're playing with Danielle Kang, who's the defending champ. But isn't that fun, though, when it's a team effort? Someone's got one thing going. The Everybody other guys- was there. One of the guys, we played with one of the KPMG. I think he's the CMO or CFO. Mm-hmm. And he hit a three-wood off a downslope to this par five that cleared the water and ended up eight feet. And then we made the eagle putt. And it was so everyone contributed. And on the back nine, my putter got hot. And I started making these bombs. I made like a 35-footer on the really? 17th. And then Danielle made a bomb on 18 that actually got us the win. So what kind of crowd's out for something like this? Decent? Yeah, it was pretty, It was bigger than I was expecting. So we, you can we hit played people? early. At, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, I'm, I don't, that stuff doesn't bother me now. Why? I don't know. I I always feel like it makes me focus more. It could. You're right. So it's when I get when I get nerves, like I instead of the flight instinct, I have the fight. So it's like I get so locked in and like okay, now relax. Like not relax. Well, yeah, I say relax because I don't want my grip to be crazy mm-hmm. tight. But then it's like, all right, just feel like you're taking a three quarter swing. Yeah, because that's control. Yep. And even though I'm really not. I feel like it's in my mind. I'm taking a three quarter swing, but on video, it's a full turn. And then, but then once I get loose and start goofing off, that's when I start hitting. Then it you're in the round. You forget yeah. people are there. So, what did you win for it? Um, I know we got a trophy that's being shipped. I actually took pictures and put some pictures up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and there's supposedly a prize, but I don't know. You didn't get it. The funny thing was, and here's the irony. Well, not irony, but here's what's funny. So Mike Wan, the the uh, commissioner of the LPGA Tour, uh-huh. my man puts a tweet out that night at dinner. That night I had a show with Pat Perez on Sirius XM, so I didn't even get to go to the award dinner. Foltz was there, and uh, Scott, our teammate, uh, Chris, <coughs> excuse me, our teammate was there. Danielle wasn't there. But Mike Wan puts out a tweet that says, I can't believe ESPN Caddy won our pro and There's no way this happened. And guess who respond? Bubba. Bubba Watson then sends a tweet out himself and says, hey, Mike Wan, Next year, I'll come play in the Pro-Am if you let me play from the uptees to prevent this from happening again. And so now next year, it's going to be we're going to put our band back together yep. to defend. It'll be myself, Chris, Foltsy, and then Danielle Kang against Mike Wan, Bubba Watson, Brittany Lincecum mm-hmm. also jumped in on it. So she'll be the LPGA pro. And I think that they're going to either auction off or do a charity for the fourth spot to see – who will be their fourth in the fourth? But I said Bubba can play the up tees, but he has to play right-handed. Oh. Yeah. The problem is he's good right-handed, too. Really? Yeah. And Don't make any bets with Bubba. I know. No, man. I played. I made him play with right-handed clubs one time, and he flipped them upside down and hit right-handed clubs pointing down lefty, and he made the sand wedge spin. 
Now think about what I'm telling y'all right now. Where would the groove, if he flips a sand wedge and points it down, yep. where are the grooves pointed? Up. Nah, they're like this way. Yeah. So the grooves they're are pointed vertical. down at the ground. Right. Well, in order to generate spin, the grooves are supposed to be going horizontal, not vertically, because the ball is gripped by them, and that's what spins it. He still spin a ball. He made it spin and back up with the grooves horizontally. That home taught swing. That's what I'm saying. You learn things when you don't have a pro standing over you. I mean, do like this. Hit your wrist here. I said the first time I, I got in a little bit of trouble, but the first time he won the Masters, I was like, you know how many lessons just got canceled because of him? Oh, that probably wasn't good for the industry. What? I'm going to blame you. Yes. You know what would be good for the industry, though? And we're going to talk about it coming up next on Maddie and the Caddy. Tiger versus Phil. Ooh. And Bryson's compass. We're doing what? We got to talk about Bryson's compass, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to do that. So we've got Bryson. We've got Tiger. We've got Phil. I'm going to let Michael plan the tournament. That coming up next from Lake Tahoe on Maddie and the Caddy. All right, friendly reminder, hit us up on social media. We have our own social media channels, Instagram, at Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and, Caddy, C-A-D-D-I-E. It is the same for Twitter. It is the same for Instagram. Follow us. We're going to post pictures from this trip, videos, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, check us out, opinions, et cetera. Uh, we, we hijacked Sports Center the other night. Uh, last week, <laughs> when Tiger and Phil, the rumors of them in a, in a match play for $10 million, or in a, in a, in a I don't want to call it match play because we don't know that. Just a match. But a match yeah. between the two of them for $10 million. We thought it was the perfect opportunity to bring you on TV with me to plan the tournament. And since then, we've come up with so many different ideas. But I believe we got the winner. The first thing it needs to be is on a Wednesday night primetime. So it needs to be a West Coast course. Wednesday night, no competition, 7 p.m. Eastern. Well, it doesn't have to be live. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. It absolutely does. Why? You want the drama live. It doesn't matter if it's live or not. It's got to be at – here's the problem with the West Coast. Both of them are originally from the West Coast. Where are you going to find a really good course that they don't have some knowledge Knowledge. of? You don't want local knowledge. No. This is why my idea was for them to be on the East Coast. Now, my original thought was, and this is the comedian part of me, I wanted them to play Augusta National Country Club. Augusta Country Club. Not Augusta National. Not Augusta Augusta National. Not Augusta National Golf Club. Augusta Country Club. Literally, their property backs up to Augusta National. Not much longer. Well, yeah, it's still going to. No. Yeah, Will, they're not they're not selling the club. I believe they the just club. sold a hole. And the club's not going away? No. Oh, I thought the club was going away for no. Augusta National. Oh. Augusta has to they're just bought a piece of their small town rumors. My apologies. No, that's as all right. you were. But this is why I thought it'd be a great idea for all them right. to play Augusta Country Club. It's because imagine a members at Augusta National imagine if they're the ones looking through the fence. <laughs> oh, so you want a little payback. No, not payback. The TV rights. I think it's hilarious irony that two guys that have won seven Masters are playing a golf course where Augusta members have to peek through the fence to see them. I would put it at a a course in Vegas. I would go to that real swanky Steve Wynn 
owned Shadow Coors. Creek. Shadow Creek. I'd put it there. I'd go in Vegas. I'd go See, West but Coast. But I know that both of those guys have played Shadow Creek. You know, I don't. I don't know how to break this to you. Those guys have probably played most courses. I don't know if they. I yeah. I, I mean, the best ones probably. So, and you but want, you'd be surprised how many you would. I think everyone listening, because I was. So I was surprised at how many great golf courses pros have not played. Uh, right, just because they're well, they do it for a job. Correct. You know what I mean? Like if you work at McDonald's, you're not going to be like, "Hey, man, let's go check out this new McDonald's and Burger King." God, there's like, a, there's nah. a joke I want to say here so badly, but I'm not <laughs> the Disney on podcast. Uh, <laughs> Wait till we're on HBO. To yeah, throw yeah, well, we'll, I'm going to write that one down. Like George's with his notepad. I'm going to write that I'm gonna down. Write it down. Hey, was, George, here you go, man. We got a joke for got you. Got one for you. Please knock this out. But uh, so we agree that it's got to be match play. It has to be match play. I don't want stroke it, play. No, stroke play is no good because if one guy is not playing good, then the other guy can dominate. But you can fake your match play. You can fake it. So I would do – all right. So I think we're let's combine to create the event. Will you will you give me the West Coast for a prime time? Live is much better. I don't understand why. You understand why live is better than taped? Yeah, live is not better than taped. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I'll tell you why. Oh, here we go. You ready? Yeah. Okay, what you gonna do in between shots? That's where I come in. They're gonna be riding a golf cart together, no caddies. Okay. You know how long that's gonna take? You're going to have them mic'd up in the cart, their conversations live on TV. See, now right there, I know that sounds awesome, but you're you're losing something. you got to go to commercial break? At some point, yes, but okay, think about this. And this is where that money's coming in, too. How much conversation do you think is going to be going on between them when one of them gets two down? You don't think that if you and I were in the booth doing play-by-play that That's- we could fill the time? I didn't say we couldn't fill the time, but that's not – people aren't tuning in to hear us chatting back. No, and if it gets real tense, then we lay out and let the awkwardness in the cart. So you have cameras <laughs> in the cart. You have GoPros in the cart. They're mic'd up. The cart is mic'd up. And they are playing in a golf cart together. Those two in a golf cart and a course that they could take down, you could be in and out of that live three hours. Nah. Yes. Because if they know they're live too, they're going to hold back. That's the problem with ah, Phil and that, Tiger. You have a good argument with. That's the problem but with Phil and Tiger. Live is always better. No, it ain't. Not with them too. If it's taped, then they can say stuff and get. And that's the thing. If you tell them, "Look, man, this is taped. We're going to cut it up. Blah blah blah. You have a good old time. Just do what you do." But we need some between the two of you. Now, if it's live, we they're going to. The- <laughs> I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. But if it's live. We're going to get the Disney version. You're right. I don't want the Disney version. You want I want the HBO version. Live on HBO. I want the Comedy Central version after 10 o'clock at night. What if it's live on HBO? They ain't got the money. They I, don't, I the do money. not want to concede the live thing, but I. how about this? You give me golf carts mic'd up with cameras. I'll give you all of that. Okay, then I'll give you the live. I'll give you we all of that, but to, we got to tape it. It's we might need to ask tape. the Maddie and the Caddy patrons about this one. Patrons, we're putting this out to you. Live or tape. And we'll, we'll pay it off next week. All right, so. But here's the thing, and this is where, this is another reason why tape works better than live, and it's about the money. Okay. The $10 million cannot just come from a sponsor. Each of them has to put up $2 million of their own 
cash. And I mean, and this is why it's taped. Cause guess what we're going to do? We're going to the bank with Phil. We're going to the bank with Tiger. Get yourself a cashier's note. We standing right there with you. Because like, you're like not, you you're not putting off. this off. You're not putting this off on one of your yeah. sponsor people. Nah, you're going to the bank and you're getting the money. You know why? Or in this case, case you might be fault. going to the basement in a duffel bag. That's what I'm saying. Whatever. <laughs> Pull it out that dinosaur head that she got you for your birthday. Like, I don't care where you, you go get the money and, and I want, like we're gonna video this. You bring money, I release your friend Doug. You're bringing the money. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. You bring the money. You know why? Why? It's because when you have your money invested in it, now, like what Tiger, this is what Tiger said when they jokingly said, "Hey, the two of y'all get together." You know, and Tiger said, "I'll play for whatever makes Phil uncomfortable." Well, you know what'll make both of them uncomfortable? Their own cash. And the reason that it'll make them uncomfortable is because. Because it's mano and mano. Does two million make him uncomfortable? Two million that they have to pay the other guy. It's, it's that the what? It's the who. That's correct. All right. Because from now, from that moment on, there's going to be a picture and a video of you handing the other dude that cashier's check. And guess what? I'm going to be texting you every day. Yep. Is video that me, that, you know, that becomes a meme. Of Phil getting a two million dollar cashier's check from Tiger, and or Tiger getting a a duffel bag, Phil handing Tiger the duffel bag, and that's gonna sting and hurt. Which also means that when Tiger or Phil, when either of them are three down after six, they don't throw their hands up and be like, "Eh, whatever. I don't really need the ten million. It's not that big a deal." No, because then it's their money, and it stays competitive. The the reason that these dudes will grind for all 18 holes is because I don't want to have to give you my money. And here's the deal. The winner of it forever, no matter what happens, for the rest of their careers can just hang on to that. Hey, man, let's get a rematch. Nope. There's a famous story. One of the big falling outs they had originally was they played a money match and Tiger lost and had to pay Phil. Phil took the hundies photocopied the hundies and then put a picture of photocopy up in a locker with a note to tiger tiger didn't take that too and that was tiger at the peak of his powers and he just didn't do that i'm gonna take it one step now think about this too let's say phil beats tiger or let's say tiger beats phil either way guess what we get a rematch no i don't think you do oh i know you do you do what because if you're Phil, if you go take down Tiger, national TV audience, and you make Tiger take off his hat, expose his bald head, and give you the cash, that's that lives in purpose. You're not giving him a chance to get you back. Oh, yes, you are. You don't. Yes, you do. Why? Tiger would. I'll tell you, and that's exactly why. You just took down Tiger Woods, and now Tiger, as he hands you the money, says – on live television, or not live, on television. See, it's gotta be live. No, just, but you see, just no, 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 no. Patrons I, I said on television, on television, on television, on television, Tiger looks at you and looks at the camera and goes, you know I gotta get a shot of getting my money back. Same with Phil. Phil, if he loses, is gonna look at the camera and go, you know, Tiger got lucky. What does now, that mean when he says you get lucky? Now, what do you think happens because here's from the fans? From the fans. Like, if you're Tiger Woods and you don't give Phil a rematch, 
You think you ain't hearing that from the crowd? Why are you scared of Phil? He didn't look because then you have Rocky and Apollo Creed and you get the rematch. How many end- Rocky movies were there? Like 12. That tells you it was kind of successful, <laughs> yeah. even though Rocky lost yeah, the first but, one. Right, but then at the end of the second one, they're sparring at the end, and you never know who wins the spar. No, that's at the first one. That's at a, that's the end, end of one. part one is when they spar. The end of two is when Rocky gets him. Rocky does and, get him. Yeah, and then three is Clubber Lang. So we'll just have one rematch. Here's what you hope with the rematch. I don't rematch. think you get a rematch. Yeah, you got. you have to. All right, here's what you, you want with the rematch is what? It would be, huh? You said, here's what you get with the rematch. With the rematch, then it's, it's Duran, it's Duran and, and Sugar Ray. Yeah, and it should be no Moss. End of story. No, that's why you need that rematch. What you take- don't, here's what you don't get. You don't get a part three. Well, see, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. So what if Phil wins one, Tiger wins two, it stays tied? No, that, I'll give you the live TV thing, but these two are not wired to go off into the sunset tied in a match. Because then it's like they never played. We have evidence. Here's here's what I'll say. This is why it's beautiful. If they end up tied and go off into the sunset, everybody wins. We got the the epic Tiger Field match twice. One guy took him down and talked smack for, let's say, a year. You got to talk smack on a dude for a year. The other dude gets his rematch. He wins the rematch. Now it's like, yeah, I got you first. Yeah, but you know what? I had enough cum- gumption to make the comeback and get ah. you. And and now guess what they are? They're Ryder Cup captain buddies out there. More. Like it's just the they're bro, not. That's the they're not, ending. But they're not wired that way. This isn't Finding Nemo. It, bro, you are you not seeing how they are together now? This is the whole point. This is what this is what look. This but is Jack these, and Arnie. These are two old dudes, older dudes, trying to prove that one of them's better than the other. They're not going to be okay with living for the rest of their lives knowing that they each won one. They're it, just they're not. They're not. They're going to need one of them's going to need the final say. Yeah, but that's when you're like, nah, we're good. I will say the final say on this topic. The winner, if Phil wins, Phil on a Sunday at a tournament has to wear red Nike, black pants, and a black cap. <laughs> no way, yeah. If Phil wins, if Tiger's Tiger. got to go Mizzen in Maine. So if Tiger, if Tiger wins, Phil goes red on a Sunday. If Phil wins, Tiger's got to go long sleeve Mizzen in Maine. No chance. There's no, there's less a chance of that <laughs> than the rematch. The rematch will happen. How great would that be? Phil on a Thursday wearing all the, the, the tiger red. And tiger on a Thursday wearing the long sleeve accountant shirt. <laughs> Does it happen? <laughs> Do I have the Phil logo on the sleeve too? <laughs> there's so many uncomfortable ways to go. That would be awesome. Number one. Phil would never be able to wear, well, it would be cool if Phil had to wear the Nike equipment. Or like the like if he had to wear the swoosh with a KPMG on the side, but KPMG would never that would never fly with that. That would have to be a sponsor's agreement. Yeah, and which each, would actually be cool. Each sponsor, Nike and KPMG, each of them throw in five mil. There's no. a ten mil, three, three each, three each. Each Nike throws in three million, KPMG throws in three million. Each player puts two million of his own. That's the ten. There's your ten million. We right have there. just created a tournament. I know, I know. Let's get on the phone and and the, we have to do play by play. Okay, I'm cool with that. Now, actually, Another reason why it's taped. I'm wondering if you should be the course reporter. I would love to be on the course 
because if they're not talking smack to one another, you could get him going. I'll needle. I'm gonna needle one of. Them. I'll have Andy North do us a favor and be like, Andy, I need you in the booth. Collins is gonna be on the course, and we're gonna have a big time. Look at this guy. Is this guy caddying? Speaking of caddies, yeah, caddies riding cart. on the back of the cart. Yeah. We are sitting here just right at the 18th green here at Edgewood. We had a report that one of the biggest of the big celebrities playing in this event might be on site, but it's not necessary. It has not been verified. Do you yet. want to go see who that was real quick? No, it's all right. I can give play by play. <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, before we get out of here in uh, Lake Tahoe for the week. Uh, you want to talk about Bryson DeChambeau? Yeah, with the whole compass issue. I didn't – I'm still unclear because they use the term compass yep. and then device, which yep. is two different things. Because the compass was not allowed at one time, and then it was allowed. And now if it's, the, it's officially – if it is a compass, they're not allowing it again. It doesn't make any sense. Can you fill the beautiful patron on what you were talking about? So Bryson DeChambeau was using this device that he says was helping him determine greens. Yes. And help read greens. So in doing so, it became apparent that this device might not be legal for use. But no one had ever really questioned it or said anything. Now, a compass... A literal compass, if you pull out to find out wind direction, direction of hole. Now, is a compass the same thing as a compass? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, guys. I don't know. I'm just curious. You say water or water. <laughs> I tell you what I don't say. Don't say compass. <laughs> you say compass? Compass. Is there a U in that word? You say envelope or envelope. I don't mail stuff. <laughs> <laughs> when you were a courier, what did you what did you say? It was an envelope. Okay, it's an envelope. Did you say on? envelope? Envelope. No, nah, it's envelope. Is there an O in that? It's on. No, it's it's, it's an E that sounds like an A, kind of. All right, well, it's kind of like an it's a. It's a compass. This is, sounds like a compass. <laughs> As you were. Either way, I'm just saying. I was I was disappointed that they. Now disallowed it. It's right. one of those things where you go, well, the dude's been using it so long. Why is it a problem now? Like, if it wasn't a problem before. It's like the anchor. It it's like it. the anchor in the putter band, the anchored putter band. Oh, don't like, get me started on that. They were that. doing that. Why? Why now? Because it was a major. That's right. why. Once, once, once. Well, once it won the Masters. Yep. You get in that. Yeah. Adam Scott ruins it for everybody. Yeah. It was all Adam's fault. But, of course, then this is why I love. Uh, Scott McCarron and uh, Zid German. Um, see, this is what happens when I podcast on an hour and a half sleep. Uh, I can't believe I just went stupid on his name. He won the Masters too. Uh, what's the German dude's name who's winning everything on the uh, Charles Schwartzel? No, man, he's on the Champions Tour too. He still he he doesn't anchor, but he puts it and then pulls it out just a little bit. Just Bernard, Bernard Longer. Longer. There you go. See, Bernard I know, Longer. I didn't know you were going way back. Bernard I was going Longer. on a way back machine. Yeah. I, but I'm saying because of that anchor ban, I love the fact that. Is Bernard, Charles Schwartz leaving German? No, he's South African. South African, yeah. <laughs> so there, you're sleep deprived too. There you go. Both. Nah, Bernhard Longer basically took that anchor ban and gave him the shove it with it. And he still goes out and uses the broomstick putter along with Scott McCarron. And both Bernhard's been stupid successful since the anchor ban with the broomstick putter, and people are so mad. Like, you can see people will tape events 
and then try and zoom in. Be like, uh, she's still angry. Ah, I hate. Don't man, stop. Stop hating on the. Is part. that that guy on the couch that gets mad that used yeah. to call in rules violations? Thank goodness, not allowed got, to do that no more. Got rid of those. Oh, that's so awesome. You know, I never had that phone number not one time. Do you know how people did that? That's how. Because so, that was my first thing. Is like, you think so who has that number? Tim in Columbus, Ohio's got the production truck. No, but here's the crazy part. Because I asked the rules officials, dude, how in the, how people get this? You know what people would do? People would find out the name of the course that they were playing. They would call the golf course itself, the, the pro shop, and say, yes. No way. Yes. So the Tiger drop in 2013 at Augusta. Yes. They were calling the Augusta. That was one of the one of the mem- one of the rules officials. Also, then called yeah called Augusta and said, "Put me through to the rules." Oh, that is ridiculous. And that happened on tour. People would call in. They call the golf course originally. What's the number of the rules trailer? Or patch me into the rules trailer? And they people had to do it, and they would get patched in. That is unbelievable. I know. I because I thought there was like a secret number that everyone would, that only a certain number. Of people, I'm like, how is it no one in the media has this super secret number? <laughs> and then I finally asked the rules officials. I was like, dude, why are you letting these people call in? We don't have a choice. They call the clubhouse, and the clubhouse has to give them the number because not anymore. They don't. Not anymore. Yeah. Now you just sit there mad. Start pacing. Yeah. Because someone's ball dimple moved. Just and you think, can't like, do anything about well, it. Well, you know, here's. We can start some trouble, but like the Lexi Thompson thing, yeah, you know how she marked her ball and yep. then marked it the wrong way, yep. So there was that was a call in too, but there's a PGA Tour pro that was like, that was not an accident. Dog head tilt. What do you mean? That was when someone marks their ball that way, and then marks it on the other side. That is not on accident. Really, that is something that you do. Because to do it that fast is that's something oh, that you do. You're right. Well, yes, because I talked with someone we know in golf that said there were a few players uh, in certain eras that you knew. Some players were, that are still out there right now were shady ball markers. Little shady ball markers. Because they know the time to do it when no one's paid attention. There's big stuff on the line, and they know. Like making a cut or something like correct. that. So, But the funny thing is you're getting the difference of an inch or two inches. Where it will matter is if there's a mark in front, like a ball mark or a spike mark. That's where it would matter. So if we've learned anything on this Maddie and the Caddy podcast, inches matter, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Saved our life coming down a hill, baby. <laughs> Thank you. We got to go find some yeah, herpetology we, life back in them trees. Yeah, we're going to go find Sasquatch. <laughs> we're going to be here for the next Did few days. Did we make any bogeys on our – oh, first I do have to say this. Shout out to my mom yes. for being on the podcast. She was great. At the Wes- for the Wesley Bryan podcast. She was and fantastic. we need to get Stephen A. Smith on for a whole episode at some point. To talk golf? Whatever. He don't need to talk golf that much. You know who I do want to get on to talk golf? I'm intrigued by Stu Gatton golf. Yeah. I'm intrigued by him in golf because I feel like he's got a horrendous temper on the golf course. Oh, my goodness. I bet he's got a – garage full of broken clubs. And he strikes me as the kind of guy that may play golf barefoot. Like Jim McMahon. Yep. He seems like one of those. So we'll dive in with Stu Gotts at some point. Thank you for the download. Please download. Please subscribe. Hit us up on social media. Uh, The fruits of our labor this week in Lake Tahoe are going to be paying off for the next couple of weeks. We look forward to it. We'll have an open championship preview next week. We'll have all of that 
Uh, coming up on Maddie and the Caddy, if you hear anything happening at a casino in Lake Tahoe and State Line, it wasn't us. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.